morning. Good morning. I won't have you stand up to say good morning again. Welcome everybody that's here this morning. I have uh, been blessed so far. And I just, uh, it's just an inspiration to me to hear what God has done in the Timo situation. Um, and we don't know the outcome yet, but it's just, uh, just kind of reaffirms it with everything we heard this morning and with the testimony of where it's at. That even the heart of a judge who might not even be God-fearing seemingly, yet God can work in his heart. And that's, to me, that's huge. That's, uh, that's a blessing. <clears throat> and I know there's been a lot of people praying. And I say, let's keep praying. Let's keep praying for that situation. Alright, well, for a message this morning, I, um, I was going to start with an object lesson. I had, it's, it's under my chair right now in a shoebox. And I'm going to leave it there. Uh, we rounded the corner into the parking lot this morning and my wife said, oh, yeah, you know what? That object lesson, uh, I used that not real long ago in a sister's meeting and it was related to the same subject. And, um, so I'm going to let it there. I thought of something else just to share this morning and the only reason I was going to use an object lesson is to get our hearts going in a given direction and I'm going to say it this way this morning that I'm going to I'm going to illustrate my desk at home in my office slash study little corner I have there on my desk the way I have things arranged or sometimes not arranged but um, when it's the way it's supposed to be it's arranged this way that off to I have one of those letter holder things little thing you get at Staples where you can stick a bunch of your envelopes in there the way I have it designed the farther left of those slots the more important uh, the envelopes that are there and then off to the right side of that I have a whole stack of mishmash that I deem it as too important to throw away but not very important and off to the far left of those slots I have um, my important envelopes them are bills that come or or uh, checks that come or bills that should go out or bills that are due and I try to make it a habit in my mind that at least once a week I, I go through all those envelopes and decide which needs the most attention. And then um, throughout the course of hopefully a number of months or more than that, I look at the in the slots to the right just to, you know, make sure everything is OK. Nothing needs to be moved over to the left further. And once in a while, I'll go through the whole stack of mishmash and I'll, I'll maybe pull something out of there and, and decide where it gets put in my slot. And that's kind of how I, uh, either you call it organize or not organize my affairs in my desk. And what I'd like to share with us today, and I even, I, I would have to say, uh, as I considered the subject and as I consider a, a book that I have uh, read this week, uh, for my own good, it's a little bit like me going through that stack of mishmash and, and pulling a few things out and slotting it over here. So in our minds this morning, I'd like to take us and do that, and it will, it will affect some of you differently than others, of the urgency of taking something out of that stack and slotting it over in the far left. So that's how I'd like to start off this morning, um, by considering that. 
And I, uh, I was looking, the last couple of times I shared, I was uh, looking at the confession of faith, talking about the home, husbands and their role, mothers and their role, and I know I had alluded to it, but I'd like to give a lot of focus and attention this morning. I'm not necessarily going to go through it, even though I'd like to hit all the, the points that are in there where it talks about children being a heritage of the Lord. Children this morning are a heritage of the Lord. And uh, so this morning I would like to give some focused attention um, to that subject this morning. And, you know, this morning, to some of us, we're uh, maybe like me, feel like I'm going out the other side of it a bit. Some of us are really in the thick of where I'd like to give our focus and attention this morning. Some of us. A lot of us in our fellowship here are coming into it, and uh, some of us it doesn't really pertain to so much anymore. And, you know, this morning I don't desire for anybody to feel, uh, hmm, well, probably all, some of us, some regret, including myself, as I look at the opportunities that I uh, took advantage of or didn't take advantage of. And so this morning I, I would like largely it to be some reminders to us, some reminders to me, the opportunities I have and how eternity is impacted uh, based on our children, particularly younger children in our home. You know, children are, as it states in our confession of faith, to be regarded as one of life's highest blessings. And they are. I say that's an accurate statement. Children regarded as one of life's highest blessings. And I think we all know what it's like. In fact, I think my wife and I definitely do, uh, just being grandparents. And you know, it's a tremendous blessing. And all of us, in fact, on the way here, we stopped to see David's little Josiah. What a blessing to hold a little infant and look in those innocent little eyes. And oh, how we love the child, the little children like that. But we also know that as that and we heard a little bit of it this morning, but as that child grows and gets a little older and, and, and some time and some water goes over the dam, you know that responsibility level as it moves out of that infant stage into the the stage where children are now learning life's lessons. You know, that responsibility as parents, it, it, it skyrockets. It skyrockets. And this morning I'd like to just uh, be considering some of those things this morning as we consider... This subject, I believe it's I believe it's a very important subject. And like I had said, I think it's one of those subjects where if it's somewhere over here on the rubbish pile, it, it gets that way in my own mind sometimes. You know, life gets busy and we go on and we forget. And, and over here it is in this not so important pile. Let's call it that the not so important stack. And in my own life and experience, many times I, you know, before the Lord realized, you know what, I have this over here and this needs to be put over here. This needs focused attention. And I like this morning if we could take wherever we have it in our in our uh, in our uh, priority. If it's not over here, I'm talking in my terminology now, if it's not over here in the left slot, if it's not there that we would take it off over here and, and, and put it there. Because I believe that's where it belongs. And I'm not speaking this morning from a way that I have arrived in that area. Not at all. But I'd like to, 
I'd like for us this morning to be thinking down that line. I'd like for uh, us this morning just to impress some of these things in our hearts. You know, what a tremendous opportunity we have uh, to influence and impact eternity in the hearts of children. You know, we say that youth aren't the future church. They are the church. But, you know, if we go if we go before that, we go down a bit to those innocent years uh, where they're not teenagers yet. That's where I'm thinking this morning where eternity is impacted. They are going to be the future church. Yes, they're part of the church of today. They're privileged and blessed to be in the homes that they are. I trust in the homes that are represented here. But yet we realize they are in that very, very crucial, important uh, time of life of establishing convictions and, and those kind of things. And very, very important. You know, I don't want this to be negative. I want it to be some positive encouragement. But I'm going to look at just a negative, some negative realities just to help us understand uh, the blessing and the opportunity that we have. And I'm just going to go over these briefly. And it's just a bit of statistics of our culture and of our society and where we're at. Now, this one here, I, I wished I could have went back and found, I tried to do it to make sure that I have it right. This is statistics says that only one-third of today's children are being raised in a home with a dad. I'm not 100% sure if I have that one right. That is high. Only one-third of today's children in our culture are being raised with a dad in the home. I, I'm fairly certain that's an accurate right there, but I'm just going to go over some more. The number of single-parent homes has nearly doubled in the past 50 years, just in the past decade alone, the number of two parents homes, the number of two parent homes has dropped significantly. That is where we find ourselves today. Studies have shown that fatherless children has a major negative impact on social and emotional development of children. Twenty million children today are in a home without a dad in our in our in our I think that's in America. I'm not 100% sure. 20 million children, statistics would tell us, in a home without a dad. 71% of all high school dropouts are in homes without a dad. 71% of all pregnant teens, there's an absent dad, research would tell us. 85% of young people with behavioral disorders, no dad present. Ninety percent of the homeless would say they didn't have a dad. Sixty-three percent of youth suicide, no dad present. Eighty-five percent that are in prison today, no dad. Grew up without a dad, basically. You know, the family is under tremendous attack in our culture. We can almost hardly wrap our minds around it. And, you know, I don't want to focus on the negative this morning, but I'd rather this morning that we focus on on the privilege that we have. To impact eternity in a dark time. A day of deception. You know, Second Peter 3, where it gives a whole list of signs in the last days. One of them is deception. One of them is deception. We want to get into that maybe a little bit later here. But I would just like this to be a bit of encouragement to us this morning. That, And I know what it's like. And I actually appreciate the heart of my son, you know, when he when he looks at the reality of an innocent little child. But I would like for us this morning to be fully persuaded that I believe when we do it God's way, God will continue to bless families in the last days, even though we are going to be faced 
And we are facing a dark day in our culture, in our land. But I, I believe that God is still longing. And we can, we can go into the Word of God and claim promises that God will pour out a blessing, I believe, on His people. And God has a remedy, a prescribed remedy this morning. And I'm not going to try to somehow give a message that, 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 that is an indicator that we need to feel condemned or that we necessarily did anything, everything wrong or right, depending on our children. But yet we do realize that there are... Uh, the Word of God gives us some things to give us some hope and encouragement in this day that we live in. You know, I'd like for us just to think brief, briefly this morning that God has a heart for families. You know, from the very beginning when God uh, created the universe, mankind, He brought Adam and Eve together and said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Uh, I'd like to just make reference to a few things just, just real briefly throughout the Word of God. When, when Cain rose up and slew Abel, Cain's response, when God says, where's your brother Abel? Cain's response is very flippant. He says, am I my brother's keeper? You know, it, it seems that it would be part of God's design that family members, family would be close and family would look out for one another based on that there. Uh, just a little bit of some research I found here. The Bible has more communal sense of people and family than is generally held in Western cultures today. We're a very individualized people. And yet, I believe throughout history past, God has, has a heart for families. You know, when God saved Noah, it was his family. God's heart today is for families. Part of the... Uh, God called Abraham out of Haran. He didn't just call Abraham out of Haran. He called his family. And there's different things we can go down through briefly. History uh, would tell us of God's heart towards family. Ten of the two of the Ten Commandments dealing deals with maintaining the cohesiveness with family. God is interested in families, and this is just an interesting concept. I'm not going to re- elaborate on it very much, but a New Testament interesting observation. We'll just call it that regarding the importance of family. In the process of salvation in the book of Acts, when two separate occasions on Paul's second missionary journey, seemingly two entire households were saved. That was Lydia, I think, by the sea when she was converted. Her household, it says, was baptized. Same with the Philippian jailer. And I'm not sure, I don't want to read anything into that that isn't there. I believe if there was baptism, there was obviously a salvation there of the household. So I would just like to share those things this morning just for us to get the concept of the heart of God for families. And I believe God's heart today is the same for families. I also realize there is biblical truth where Jesus says we should be willing to forsake father and mother and all of that for the sake of Christ, if need be. Uh, And we we realize that in today's day there is that. But I would also just like to lift the standard among us here today of family life and a heart for children this morning. And that we can get a heart, the heart of Christ for the togetherness of family. That is my goal here this morning. All right, Jesus' view of children. I'm going to look at a reference that we have in our confession of faith. Jesus' view of children in Matthew 19, 13 through 15. Uh, Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the children alone. Do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. 
And it says, after laying hands on them, he departed from there. You know, it doesn't say here who brought the children to Jesus. But somebody brought these children to Jesus that he might lay hands on them and pray for them. And it was the disciples that rebuked them. I don't know if it was some mothers that brought those children to Jesus for him to lay hands on and to pray for them. And here we have the disciples rebuking those that brought these children and says, uh, but Jesus said, let the children alone. Do not hinder them from coming to me. And then it says here that he lays his hands on them. And likely prayed for them, and he departed thence. You know, it's a beautiful picture there of Jesus laying his hands on children. I was thinking about the whole laying of laying hands on children. You know, that's actually something that in Hebrews 6 I was meditating on this week. The, that's one of the main themes of salvation is the laying on of hands. I don't think we do enough of that. But, you know, this morning... Uh, how much of Jesus Christ do I really have? What about these hands? You know, these are the hands that that are the hands that God calls us to do the disciplining and all those things of our children. But do we have the heart of Jesus where here Jesus is, lays hands on these children and prays for them? Just a question I'm going to raise this morning. What is our attitude this morning towards children? What is our attitude this morning towards children is the question that I'm raising. Do we value children do we prioritize children the same way Jesus does, did, or does this morning? Is the question I'm asking. All right. God wants parents to long for children and love them. That's stated in our confession of faith. God wants parents to long for children and love them. Psalms 113 verse 9 says, He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be the joyful Mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. It says here that he makes the barren woman to keep house. You know, it's an interesting observation that little girls so young and so early in life begin to be attracted to dolls. I remember here not real long ago we were at Alan Rust's house to visit and it was just interesting. Well, it was a little while ago now, but Rachel was just this little thing in her interest in dolls. I observed it in my own little girls. You know, God puts that in the hearts of little girls to long for children. Um, and I, I realize that, you know, some of these things are out of our control. God opens and closes the womb, and not everybody that would long to have children has children, and we have to trust that with the Lord. But I believe it is, it, God puts it in the heart of our women to uh, the natural desires to have children and to be the joyful mother of children. I'd like to talk about that just a little bit, being a joyful mother of children. And I'd like to just give some encouragement on the sister's side to be that joyful mother of children. And, you know, it's one of those things that I hardly even know how to convey that because I realize from a sister's perspective a little bit because of my wife that, you know, sometimes life... And all its demands and its responsibilities, there may be times where it's difficult to be the joyful mother of children. But I would like to give encouragement to all of us here this morning. And I believe that this actually relates some to the dads as, you know, to somehow conduct our lives in such a way that we can 
and our sisters can be the joyful mother of children. And I'd like to I'll possibly get into a little bit more of that as we move along here, the whole idea of being a joyful mother of children. And I'd like to give that encouragement. You know, I think it's part of the husband, the daddy's responsibility also to help, especially a young mother I'm thinking of here, to put the proper boundaries around them sometimes so that they can actually be the joyful mother of children because sometimes life's demands are huge and they're seemingly overwhelming. And part of that is, you know, we have to journey and find God's grace and all that. But if we can somehow conduct our lives in such a way that we truly can be the joyful mother of children and not placing too high of expectation, especially on young mothers with children, and I thought of this example and illustration, and, I, and this is not any kind of a judgment on this dad, and I don't fully understand, but I'll just say it the way it is. There's a, a farm that I go to from time to time, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, I don't know if it was ever quite that early, I think it probably was, 4 o'clock in the morning, really early, many, many times this young husband will have this young mother of children, his wife, out in the barn early in the morning, helping load hogs. And that's okay. That's okay. I, I think maybe she would, I don't know if she'd like to be out there or not, but there's also times, and this isn't when it's quite that early, that she'll actually be out there and she'll have a child or two in the feed cart. There was a time where she had, different times where she'll have a child strapped on her back, a child in the womb, and she has a hog board, and she's out there chasing hogs early in the morning. And I don't know if she's a joyful mother of children or not. I don't know. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not casting a lot. There's some women that I think probably like that. I think there's probably some women that like that. And I really hope she's one that does. I really hope she's one that does. And it's not my place to ask her. And I'm not going to ask her. But there she is. Early in the morning. One in the womb. One on the back. Two in the feed cart. They're crying and wanting their mom. And she's there right with her husband. She's swinging that board. And I, I look at that. And I'm like, wow. Uh, and, but I also realize that there are some women that enjoy that kind of thing. It's one thing they can do to spend time with their husband. Um, certainly not very romantic. But uh, I think we do have to be careful. I think it's God's heart. I think it's security for the children when they know that mom is a joyful mother of children. And I think it's an area where we need to work together so that we can actually have that kind of an atmosphere where our children can look back on joyful memories where a mother is a joyful mother of children. I think some of that, at least, is the, what I'm trying to impress on us here is, is, is it's the husband, it's the dad's responsibility to here. So I just want to give some of that encouragement here. Uh, Proverbs 17, verse 6, another verse we have listed in our confession of faith. Uh, Grandchildren are the crown of old men and the glory of sons is their fathers. What a blessing when... We can live to see the day of our grandchildren and when family is together. It just speaks of it as a positive thing here. Very important thing in life. Okay. The world's teaching is that children are in. This actually is the way it's stated in a confession of faith. I personally think maybe it's just a little bit strong, but I know what the message is that it's given. It says the world's teaching is that children are a curse to be avoided. And this is not from God. And I, I maybe that's stated a little bit too strong, but we know the message that it's given here. Uh, Psalms 127, 3-5 says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. He shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with the enemy in the gate. 
Beautiful picture here. Beautiful picture here of a man with a family. Children are a heritage of the Lord. They're part of God's uh, gift to us. It's, it's, it's a gift. Children are a tremendous gift uh, to, to a couple. Uh, they're a tremendous gift. They're, they're a heritage of the Lord. Uh, the fruit of the womb is his reward. Uh, it, it talks here about children of the youth. And I just find that interesting. I don't really plan to make much comment on it, but I think it's, it's, it's shared here that way. It's worthy of saying. It talks about children of the youth. If I'm understanding that correctly, it's talking about young men being fathers. Young men being fathers. And, and, uh, you know, I, uh, the older I get, the more I realize that the time comes where God uh, stops blessing families with children. I, the older I get, the tighter I get, the less energy I have. But it talks here about young men, young fathers, young fathers uh, having children. Uh, what a blessing. It says they shall speak with the enemy in the gate. Now, as I understood this, do a little bit of research on this passage. It says that the psalm here, 127, was written when they were in captivity. It was at the gate where they met the enemy. Uh, and, and, a, and a father that had uh, a number of children. It says that, uh, if I'm understanding this correctly, uh, he wasn't afraid of the marauders because his house was well defected by the activity, by his active and vigorous sons. You know, it gives a picture of, of a father and he is a blessed father because now he has uh, spiritual young people in his house that are also helping to protect the family. And it just gives a beautiful picture. And I'd just like to give this as encouragement for us, especially lots of young families that we have at this fellowship to go after it, to pay the price, to make the investment, to live the self-denial, to live the self-denial route because of the blessing that will come, we trust, uh, by having a family someday that fears God. And this just gives a, a beautiful picture of a of uh, extra defense that you actually have as you have uh, spiritual young people in your house. And it's a tremendous blessing, a tremendous gift. You know, I just thought I would share it this way, a memory that I have that I don't think I will ever forget as long as I live. The blessing that my wife and I had around my wife's father's bedside as he was departing from this world. You know, the blessing of a family around the bedside of a parent who is leaving this world. And I believe that there are times when the enemy puts up a fight, when a saint is passing off the scene. Even doubts in godly, God-fearing men, we hear of it. Father-in-law hadn't been responding for a couple of days, but we all knew he was going. But you know, it was a gift and it was a blessing. And it's what I would desire for every one of us. <clears throat> to be able to have children around the bedside of a departing saint. Singing the songs of Zion. And praying together as dad's leaving. You know, it's tremendous. It's a blessing. And I think God would have, that would be God's heart. I know our children will all have choices to make. And it's going to be their choice. And my goal and my heart this morning is that we would do what we can to experience that blessing that God would have for each one of us. 
That was a tremendous blessing and memory that I have. And I had to think of that incident as I read this verse about speaking with the enemy in the gate. You know, we have many enemies that are going to be hurling darts, that hurl darts. Uh, the enemy of our soul and his uh, demons at God's people. But oh, the blessing. And I'd just like to encourage, you know, I, I'm not sure how many little boys were born uh, just this year in this fellowship uh, and one little girl. But when I look at all the little children coming up here to children's lesson, you know, I'd just like to put it, especially in the hearts of dads and moms here this morning. Let's pay the price. God will have a blessing for you someday, I think. Um, if we apply God's word to the raising of our family. I'd like to just refer a little bit and our confession of faith refers to it here abortion and the spirit of abortion. And I'm not going to elaborate much on that one there, and I think you already caught my heart that I believe children are a blessing. Children are a blessing. Large families are a blessing, and I would just like for us as a fellowship here not to lose sight of that. And I know there is conflicting Thoughts amongst probably even us here about family planning and family size. And I'm going to share with you what my persuasion is in that subject. I believe my persuasion is that it's the couple's decision for them alone to work out before the Lord as it relates to that subject. I'm just going to say it that way. But I would like for us this morning to consider that children are a rich, rich heritage. And they are a blessing from God. And I think it's God's will that we continue to raise families for the glory of God in these last days, to lift up a testimony and a standard against the enemy. And I'd just like to share it that way. I'd like to move a little bit into some of the, some of the more practical things now as it relates to children. Uh, number two in our confession of faith, the seed of sin is in the heart of every child and will do evil. If left alone, you know, last night our family was together and I just love to hold little Bryson and I love to hold little Justin and look into those innocent little eyes. So pure, so innocent and just it's just a, a rich, rich blessing. But, you know, as I gaze into the eyes of those little children, I realize and, 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 and part of me likes when they get a little bit older, you know, I, I tell their mothers and dads, I'm going to be the flipping grandpa. I like to flip them when they're a little bit older. But I also realize when it, when they get a little older and it enters into that stage is when some of the tough work really begins. It's not huge. It's not difficult. But, you know, it's things that are so easy to neglect. It states it this way, Proverbs 22:15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. And you know, God has a remedy. God has a remedy that is so easy for us to compromise on. I'm going to talk about that just a little bit later. But that was one of my most difficult things in my journeying of parenting through those years is consistency. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But this verse here that says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And this whole word that it uses there, bound, uh, gives the idea if you study the meaning behind it being tied up. Or knit, and it's actually the same word that's used of David and 
Jonathan's heart was knit together. That's the first time that word is used. So it gives the picture of something that's knit together tight. And you know, when a child begins, an infant begins getting older, we know it doesn't go real long when we start seeing those things surface, that being tied up, being bound up. And God has a remedy that is so easy for God's people to compromise and to neglect. And I say that because I know my own experience. The rod is still God's remedy. Let us not lay it aside. We're going to get back to that just a little bit. Uh, we must train children to do right. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. This is an interesting way of looking at this verse. Train up a child in the way he should go. It does not say, Train up a child in the way he should not go. Now, there is a lot of that that does need to take place in in uh, family life, in in child training and all those kind of things. There is a lot of times... Parents do have to stand up and say no, and I certainly wouldn't want to take away from that reality. There will be many, many times as parents when you're going to be very tempted to just do that. And we do need to step up to the plate and say no. However, it is very interesting as we look at this verse, it rather says train up a child in the way he should go. You know, there are many, many opportunities that we're going to have to be training those young children in our home. To raise up a child in the way that they should go, not not go. I was going to say this earlier on. I don't even know the title of the book I read this week. I should know that. But the title of the book I read this week has more to do... It, it, the major focus, and some of you probably already read the book, uh, the focus is on ages in that age from 6 to 12 years old. The age before that teenage battle and some of that struggle begins in those innocent years being very, very important years. Uh, to train and to teach and to instill things into their heart, okay? So I was influenced, a lot of my thoughts and some of the burden for the message this morning comes out of that book, those years. Them are the very, very crucial years. Uh, infant years are very, very important too. That bonding with mother and all of that uh, is all part of God's plan and part of God's design. But a lot of the, the focus of the writer of that book was putting a lot of attention on moving out of those years into the innocent years uh, before that child actually comes accountable and responsible for the God of heaven, for his soul. In those in-between years before there's a lot of battle, the importance of those years are very, very important. And I caught the burden of this book. And so I'm, I'm thinking a lot about that as I'm looking at these verses of training up the child in the way he should not go. And we're going to get into that a little bit more just a little bit later here. Um, uh, very, very essential that we uh, take those years. Um, um, Isaiah 28, 9 and 10. Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. I uh, think I have a clip out of the book that I'm referring to that I'd like to read here. This is the way it, it words it. Parents' last great opportunity, and you just keep in mind here that the writer of this book is focusing on those years. Middle childhood is a stage often swept over too quickly by parents and educators because it is so calm compared to the storm of adolescence. This is the perspective the writer is writing from. If children will ever be good, they will be good during those years. 
And so parents assume that all is going well during this time because the child on the whole seems cooperative, wants to please and loves to be with the family. It is not overstating the situation to think this stage of childhood is the last chance. It is the time to do many things with and for your children which you will not be able to do in the same way or to the same extent. And by me reading that and picking up the heart of the book, the last thing I want to indicate is that means that when they enter the teenage years, that just means we're facing the rebel time. Okay, I'm not coming at all from that perspective. I do believe that that is the time where young people are transitioning into that adulthood stage and there are unusual battles that will be faced. And I think it's normal that they go through that. But it doesn't have to be those negative years. I want, to, I want to state that. But also, the burden that is conveyed here that those are years to focus a lot of time and energy on when it comes to training and putting those things into the heart. Uh, the importance of of uh, having a vision and your children understanding that mom and dad have a vision. You know, Abraham, he sojourned by faith. Abraham, I believe, had a plan for his family and for his life and where he wanted to go. On the other hand, on the other contrast, we have his lot. You know, he lived by his natural impulses. When Abraham gave him the choice of land, uh, he chose the well-watered lands he 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 functioned on his natural instinct and he pitched his tent towards Sodom simply didn't have a plan and we all know where he eventually ended up it is a time for having a vision for guiding our family and I'd just like to give us that encouragement this morning another point in our confession of faith we must administer we must administer loving consistent discipline never beating spanking is very effective when done without anger I know I made a few comments earlier, and I'd like to just uh, elaborate on this. I think this is a very, very, very crucial subject. I'll just say that. I'll just convey that from my heart to yours. A very, very crucial subject is to be consistent. And, you know, I would have to say that, as I had stated earlier, that I'm one that I look over my past. If You know, it, it is very, very easy to compromise on that one. There's nothing in me that likes to discipline but it's very, very essential. One writer writes it this way. This is a quote. Parents who say they love their children too much to punish them are like driving cars down a street without signs. Proverbs 13:24. He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. You know, those are very, very strong words. Think about what the proverb writer just stated there. Somebody that spares the rod hates his son doesn't mean doesn't say hate the rod or doesn't use the rod but somebody that spares the rod hates his son but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes you know it's it's interesting those are very very strong words you know i had stated that it's one of the most difficult things i do and you know i i would give you this encouragement young parents this is from my own perspective there is many times when i go into my closet and i know what has to be meted out and there is nothing in me that wants to do it. In fact, I find myself, I've found myself many times even compromising it but one of the things that if it helps you do what I do when I'm entering into that closet and I know what needs to be done and there's nothing in me that wants to do it, I'll envision rolling the calendar front a number of years and realizing the dilemma that I'm going to have on my hands and then God gives me the grace to do it. 
And if we need to do that, I would encourage us to do that. It talks about most effective. Spanking is very effective when done without anger. And I realize anger can be very destructive. And I'd just like to give us the encouragement this morning that if we struggle with anger, let's ask God to help us to deal with that. I believe disciplining in anger can be very, very devastating. And let's find grace from God. I'd just like to give that. We have many, many young parents that are going to be facing these days in the coming weeks or coming months and years. Let it, let's, let's allow God to work in our lives if we are angry or are quick to angry. Let's ask God to help us deal with our anger so that we don't struggle. That verse here says, uh, chasten him betimes. And that simply means diligently. It is something that we should be diligent with. We should be very diligent as it relates to this subject. And, and I'd just like to give us that encouragement this morning. You know, just this week, we had a single parent child in our home by the single parent. And it came time for them to leave. The parent picked that child up and the child made an awful fit. It was a cute little toddler, probably five years old, I believe. Made an awful fit. And you know, I would have loved to take that little fellow into the back room. I knew so much what he needed. So much what he needed. You know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod will drive it far from him. You know, I'll just share this from my own testimony. There's many a time when I'm taking a child there that I will have conveyed to my children in the past that this is one of the hardest things that dad does. Maybe I'll say it this way. I don't know if I have the same paddle in my home that I had all through my raising children. I think I do. Well, you know what? I might have another one now. But one of the things that I did, I'm just going to tell you what I did on mine. This is a hard thing for me. This is, this is one of the worst parenting things I do, but it's the most important. I'm just going to share that with you that way. I believe it is. But one of the things that I have done is I took out my pen. I think my children, my older children will say they remember this. I took out my pen and on the one side of my paddle, I have a pitcher, a stick man with a really messed up face and he's just angry. He's frowning and, and he's all of that. And then I'll, on the other side, I have a stick man. I'm not an artist, but I can draw stick men with a big happy face. Big happy face with a big smile. You children are listening to me this morning. Um, and there's been many a time I'll sit down and I'll, I'll show them the one side and say, this is you. This is you. And I am not doing this because um, I want to do this. I hate to do this. But I know that I can make you from this side to this side. And uh, that's one of the things that I've done to give me the encouragement to do it. And I'd just like to encourage us with that here this morning. Proverbs 19.18 says, Chasten thy son while there's hope, and let not thy soul despair for his crying. You know, it's good for them to cry. It's good for them as hard as it is. Uh, you know, this is not the natural love that I sense when I look into the heart of my little grandbabies right now. That's a natural love. But I believe as children get older and they enter that stage, it goes from that natural love that we think of, uh, is it the phileo love? I'm not sure I get them all mixed up, to the agape love. The agape love that does it because it's necessary. And I'd like to encourage us with that this morning. All right, I'd like to look, number three in our confession of faith, children are commanded by God to obey their parents. 
I'd just like to give us that encouragement this morning. You know, it's not just a good idea. It's not just a good idea, but it is one of those things that's actually a command from God commanding us parents in those years that our children know that it's actually a command from God that they obey. And, you know, I'd just like to give us some encouragement this morning, and I'm going to talk about this in just a bit, about the whole subject of love. You know, if I, as a Christian, look at God as this stern God that I did for a long time, I had a hard time early on in my Christian life of really realizing God's heart for me and God's love for me. And if that's the concept that I have of God, when God chastens me and God brings things into my life that I don't like, and that I don't appreciate. It's hard for me to understand God. But it was freeing to me when I got to the place of really understanding God's love for me and then the chastisening and the difficulties and some of those things that God brought my way, I began making more sense to me. And I'd just like to give that encouragement for us this morning. If we use the rod and we use discipline and we use those kind of things and not coupled with love. You know, we ought to be showering. And, and it is a loving thing to do, by the way. But uh, I believe it is very, very important that our children really understand the love that parents have. And I think that is just simply essentially important this morning as it relates to obedience. Yes, it is. It is a part of God's plan that children must and need to obey, you know, and, and be consistent in that. But that all must be coupled with love. And I'd just like to give us that encouragement this morning. And uh, I'd just like to lift it up as a very, very important thing. A very, very important thing uh, this morning that we understand and that we convey that love to our children and the whole thing of obedience. You know, one of the things that we probably and I just view it as essentially important is is that, you know, in the Christian life, it's not about what I want to do. It's not about uh, uh, my goals as much as it is what is God's heart for my life. And I think if at a young age our children can really understand that, you know, that's a time in my mind to be putting in the hearts of our children the whole idea of the surrendered life, the yielded life, the giving up life. You know, that's one of the more difficult things in the Christian life. It can be. And the Christian life is having that yielded heart, having that yielded heart. You know, I struggle with the flesh every day where I, I want to just kind of get off the altar and have to put myself back on the altar of God and let my life be totally surrendered. And I think that we will do our children a big favor in our homes in those innocent years if they understand the whole idea of yieldedness and the whole idea of obedience to parents. We'll prepare them for that day where God calls them to yield and surrender their lives and their future to Christ. And I believe in those innocent years, those pre-adolescent years are very, very important. And I don't think I saw the importance of it like I should have over the years in my own home. The importance of obedience and the necessity of and the importance of it. Parents' last opportunity, ages 6 through 12. I talked about that before and just like to uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Um, I wonder if we understand the importance of those years. I don't think I have understood it over the years enough. But I believe those are very, very important years, those pre-adolescent years, the discipling years, the bonding years, the years of pouring and investing much time into our children. 
you know, those are the years that it takes a lot of time. And I'd just like to encourage us this morning to be willing to pay the price and the sacrifice and the time that it takes. Take every opportunity that we can to take the heart of that child and bring it close to us. I'd like to encourage us with that this morning. To take the time that it takes to be your child's best friend. I'd like to modify, I'm going to say it this way, a strong comment that I made some time ago here over the pulpit. I don't know if I made the comment, I at least alluded to it. Some of you probably remember it when I say it, but I raised the questions one of the last times I was up here, whether or not we as men should have hobbies. I don't know if you remember me making that that uh, question or not. Should we as men have hobbies? And I actually thought about it last week when Abner was sharing what he shared. And, uh, you know, why does that come to me now? Well, I am... I think slowly moving out of some of those high pressure years. Now I have children who are beyond that going out of the home and things like that. But there was a time where I the pressures were maybe greater when you have uh, a lot of those children in those those years where you are trying to influence. You know, those are years, I believe, that are very time consuming. And I'd like to put it in the hearts of young dads to to it is worth the investment. It is worth the investment of sacrificing the things that you would like to do to invest into your children. Abner made the comment about hunting when he was up front here last week. And I don't remember exactly what he said, but I do know that when I got, the day that I got, not the day that I got converted, but soon after I had got converted, I was big into hunting and that kind of thing. And I sold every gun I had. I decided that was an idol in my life. I'm going to get rid of it. And the day came where I bought a gun again. And that was the day where I realized that this was something that I could do with my children. And I'm not saying that everybody has to do it, do it the way I do it. But what I am saying was I believe the things that we do, we should do it so that we can do it with our sons and daughters. And it is worth the investment. It is worth the investment. You know, I, I cringe and I groan. And, and maybe it's something that, you know, we all have areas that we're stronger in, areas that we're weaker in. But that it was one area that early on in my experience I realized and, and some of it was because I was blessed. I, I feel like I was very blessed in my early uh, fatherhood years to sit under the in, uh, greatly influenced by Danny and some of his teachings in the home. Uh, in the year or two before that, the church we were attending, the pastor was very home minded and had a lot of messages on having the hearts of our children. You know, we all know the familiar verse about turning the hearts to our children and the hearts of the children will turn back to their fathers. But somehow early on, I developed a burden to take my energies invested into the children. And I'm not saying I've always done everything perfectly, but I know there was a day where we lived in York. I'll say it this way. You can ask my older children. I think they'll remember it. But we lived in York on a VS uh, income of uh, $210 a month, I remember. it. Then Joshua was born. He came along and it went up to $235 a month. $245 a month. We got $35 more when he was born. We lived in York. And that, that was what we got a month. That's what we lived by. And uh wasn't much left over. There wasn't much to do. But I remember God so deeply impressing on my heart to capture the hearts of my children at that young age that uh, we didn't we didn't have money to, to go to a campground. We didn't have money to go hardly to a state park. And I, I, I took this thing very serious. Somewhere along the line, we got a little one man tent. And I took each of my children out to a neighboring farm. And we set that little tent up along the woods with one purpose i didn't really get any kicks or jollies out of sleeping in a little one-man tent with my children but with one intent and that was connecting with my children now 
I'm not saying her boasting, saying I did everything right. There was many times over the years where I lost some of that. But I still believe today that is very, very important. And I'm going to just suggest us in the day of temptation, the day of deception that we live in and the culture that our children are going to face. I would just like to put it into the hearts of young dads and young moms to put aside hobbies if we need to. And whatever it is, it will be worth your investment. I'd like to encourage you. And I'm not standing up here boldly saying, professing that I did everything right. Children will still have to make the choice. But what I would like to put into our hearts that these are very, very informative, important years for our children. Very, very important. Those years where some of those teenage battles aren't yet being fought and faced, where we can still influence them in a lot of ways in training and teaching in the way that they should go before they, before some of those uh, battles are faced. I'd just like to encourage that with us this morning. Uh, the writer of that book, I'm just going to be referring a little bit to him. Actually, let me do this. I have, I have a, another little bit I'd like to read uh, here out of this book. And uh, here again, this is talking about those years and the importance of those years and proper and healthy young people who are secure in Christ. That is our goal. Linda Walker describes, this is a research, of a study done by maladjusted teenagers conducted in a large Oklahoma high school. A team of counselors spent time gaining report and the confidence of ten of the most neglected and maladjusted children in the school. Eventually, they asked them how long it was since their parents told them that they loved them. One only remembered ever hearing it at all, and the other could not... One of them, one remembered, only one remembered ever hearing it at all, and that child didn't remember when. In contrast, the counselors called out ten of the best adjusted, most well-accepted, outstanding leaders of the school and asked them the same question. Without exception, these all answered. And this is the question uh, about their parents' love for them when they last heard it. And these all answered and said this morning, last night, and yesterday all indicated that their parents verbally expressed their love in the past 24 hours. I think it's very, very important that our children in those years understand mom and dad's love for them. Uh, the writer also talks about this being imitation years. Uh, what a parent says has little effect unless it reflects what the parent does or is. You know, these are not years necessarily that is so important that we're instructing and saying everything right. In fact, if that's the message we're given without living it, it has little to no effect. We must practice what we preach. A parent who laughs at speed limits and tries to get by with as much as possible with civic and church obligations can expect no more out of their children. Is that a true statement? I think it is. More is caught than taught. Day by day, examples and family conversation help children to form standards in their own minds. These are the days where their conscience is waking up. Children learn honesty by parents being honest. Clear boundaries in the home. There was a mother who had worked hard preparing for an evening guest. Finally, they arrived and were seated at the table. The mother asked, the mother asked the little daughter to ask the blessing. She said, Mom, what shall I pray? The mother said, Just pray what you heard me say. 
the little girl prayed, Oh God, why did we ever invite these guests on such a hot day like this? And we laugh at that, but you know, more is caught than taught. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to share with you a, this is a black mark for me, okay? One of my gripes and complaints is, and it shouldn't be this way, because I believe love covers a multitude of sins, as the word says, or whatever. But one of the gripes that has been in our home for me over the years is when somebody calls and says it's time to eat. And I think I'm leaving what is something important. And I respond to the table and, huh, we're not ready yet. Why did you call me now? I could have kept doing what I was doing for five minutes and then come. And I sometimes have caught myself making negative comments about this reality that, no, it's not ready. Uh, I'll go back to what I was doing. Call me when it's ready. And, you know, I don't think that sounds so harsh when I say it. Well, just this week, uh, my wife called us to come to the table and my little boy comes around the corner and says, huh, it's not ready. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, you know what, children, please forgive me for saying that. You know, it was in a negative sense. But, you know, it was a realization. Of course, I was reading this book and learning all these things and being reminded of all these things. But, you know, more is caught than taught. It's not so much what we say, do or don't do, as how we live. Very, very important. Modeling honesty is very important, an expression of our faith. You know, how we relate to a pesty salesperson or those kind of situations uh, our children observe and do. And they pick out, you know, these early years uh, are years of our children picking out their heroes, who they want to be like when they get big. Very, very important that we journey closely. You know, that would be my encouragement to young fathers. Very, very important that we journey closely with our young people. I think it's very, very important that we invest the energy into knowing what all is going on in their minds. Because the day will come when they will face battles and have to make real decisions. And if there's anything I'd want to put into the hearts of young dads and moms, it's know what goes on in the hearts of our children. Uh, know who their friends are. Very, very important. If they're friends that are hiding things from their parents, I think we as parents ought to be alarmed. I think we ought to be very, very careful. The environment that we allow our children to be in or not to be in. Well, I need to wrap this up here. Uh, children need to feel valued. Uh, we could talk about that. Building self-worth into our children, knowing that they're valued. Uh, the story of a man in his business. Well, this is what he painted on his barn. The story of a man who painted on his barn a sign, Amos Graber and Son. There was no doubt in the mind of his nine-year-old that he was worth something to his dad. He never recalled mom or dad saying, my tractor, or my kitchen, or my dishes. It was always our tractor, our car, our kitchen, our dishes. The spirit of togetherness gives a sense of self-worth to children. Uh, I think it's important that our children know and understand this. Just going to read a little bit more statistics here yet. Uh, a young girl in juvenile prison a young girl in juvenile prison said my parents never made rules i wish they had loved me enough to make rules a county sheriff once said there are basically two kinds of youth in trouble the one is a child who never did anything right such a child lacks self-control and is headed toward deep problems the other is in trouble the other youth in trouble is the one who never did anything wrong 
Whatever the child did, the parents stuck by it, never making the child responsible for his action. Both kind of children are confused with a weak conscience. A high school interview revealed a large amount of students felt their parents were not strict enough or parents even disagreed on how to discipline. In a home atmosphere of love and consistent discipline, the six or ten year old will begin to demonstrate an active conscience. If obedience is demanded and realized during these years, the conscience will be developed, will be developing and deepening, particularly in the middle years where children know what a line is and they know that they're in violation and there's going to be consequences if they step over that line. Yet that same child understands and knows and has communicated the love and affection that it needs. Can I just give us encouragement with that here this morning? There was a study done in 10,000 delinquents. One thing they all had in common was a lack of affection. A child that receives warm affection is a child that responds well to love and obedience. There would be more that could be said. I want to wrap it up here. I would just encourage us this morning to sit as a jealous father. You know, that would be the the gist and the, the burden for the message here this morning. And as I said, it flows in a lot of ways out of this book that I was reading, especially in those years. Those are very, very crucial years. And as a father in my little observation in my short life of observing in my own family, And those kind of things. I'd like to give us that encouragement this morning. A lot of young dads here. And a lot of, yeah, will be young dads here. To be willing to make the investment. And sit as a watchman. Sit as a jealous father. Screening everything that comes in and out of our homes. Can we be a dad like that? You know, in a day where we know we are living in the day of deception. And the day of watered down truth. We're living in the day of compromise. I think that's the day that we're living in. That we would sit as a jealous father screening their friends, their books, their music and the music artists, their heroes and even renowned preachers that we hear. What do they actually believe? Are they preaching the whole truth? Do they believe the whole truth? And there are times that we will learn from some of those. And I think the time comes where we have to sit and walk very closely with our young people, guiding them and discussing those things. I think it's very, very important that we have that connection. I'd like to just give us that encouragement. You know, I'm not going to make mention much of it here, but, you know, I referred to that verse about train up a child in the way he should go. It doesn't say not go. I believe those are years where we can, in a lot of amazing ways, impact our children. And, you know, there's a whole other subject that we could talk about that I believe is very healthy for us to instill eternity and kingdom values and principles into the heart of our children in that age. I think it's a time where we should be journeying closely with our children, where our children understand. And, you know, I don't think we should be making these kind of choices just for the sake of our children, but may it flow out of a heart of love for God. You know, that is actually the gist and that is a whole burden of it. It's a whole subject that I don't want to miss. We don't want to do all these things and be all these things and say all these things 
and make all this investment to try to get our children to pass. And, and I would to God that all my children would pass me up. But I believe it ought to be that underlying reality in the hearts of dads and moms where eternity is stamped in our hearts and we are committed to loving Christ and serving Christ and loving our fellow man. And you know, I believe it's healthy for children in a home and I last thing I want to do is overwhelm mothers who are already burned out and overloaded with all their responsibilities but you know I believe it is a tremendous blessing uh for children in the home where they can realize you know uh and, and go along with and observe doing ministry activities together that has been one of the things that was very I would have to say it was important to me over the years, but many, many times I made compromise. But I, for myself, considered a blessing when some of my older children were involved in Pottsville. I'll say it that way. When some of my older children were involved in Pottsville and I had the opportunity to take my younger children as a daddy to go up there with them and go knocking on doors. That is very, very important. And I think we're going to miss it. If we want our children to have kingdom values and to think outside of the box and to have a heart and a passion for people, if we don't have it, we're not going to pass it on. May God help us to possess that. I think that's very, very important. You know, that was one of the things that was very, very important to me in the years that we lived in York. That was my number one responsibility was souls and a tremendous blessing to take my little children with me on those kind of things. And I think it's very, very important if we're going to instill kingdom values into our children. And may we do it out of a love for God. So, I trust this morning it was a sort of encouragement to you if there are things that you observe and hear along with me. Let's take it off that power of not-so-important things and let's slot it all the way over here on the left. That would be my encouragement for you. Why don't we kneel together? I know we don't have a nice carpet floor, whether or not we ever will, but the time may come where we will be kneeling who knows where. Uh, there are people who, in persecution, uh, out in barns and wherever, and I know we don't have the most pleasant place to kneel, but why don't we kneel together and pray? <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you for your love to us here today. I thank you, Lord, for the people of God and the blessing that every family that's represented here is to our family. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of togetherness. And I pray, Father, that you would bless the families in this fellowship. Lord, I believe there is eternity in the hearts of our children. And I pray that you would bless especially the young fathers and the young mothers and those that are in the middle of these years of raising children, including myself. Lord, help us to value the things that you value. Help us, Lord, to make the investment that is worth investing and making to give our children the opportunity that they can choose to follow Christ in His kingdom and have an example and a pattern to follow. And I pray, Lord, especially, yes, for the fathers and mothers, but You would help the fathers in this congregation to be wise and to be discerning with our young children, so innocent, so pure, and yet foolishness sometimes bound up in the heart and needing to be freed. But oh, that the children in this fellowship could be freed from some of that being bound up and from some of the ensnares of the devil that young people are getting into today so that when that time comes where you can call them, that rather than having all those things to deal with, you could have a a life ready to be filled with the Spirit of God to be used in your kingdom. 
Father, help us as parents to love you like we ought to love you and to love our fellow man and to love our neighbor and to love the ungodly and to be able to influence and impact this world for eternity. Oh, that we would instill that into the hearts of our children so that as the Scripture was shared about your righteousness and your holiness going out over the face of the earth, that our children could be used as vessels to do that someday. Lord, we want to give them an opportunity. And I pray, Lord, that you would stir and work in our hearts and lives. Father, we need you and we need your grace. And we thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.